Happy Sunday and welcome to the Jeremiah Patterson Show. I'm in the great state of Virginia. There is a little town called Farmville. The population is more than 7,000 people and it was formed in the year of 1798, making it one of the oldest towns in the United States. But there's also an immigration detention facility there. And there right now uh, is a massive coronavirus outbreak. Now, this story hasn't really been receiving lots of national attention uh, because of last week's political news with Vice President Joe Biden announcing his running mate and everyone sort of diverting their attention to that very exciting news. And also because Farmville, Virginia, isn't really a a well-known place, geographically speaking. But this, this is a very dark story and has been covered by the American Prospect, as well as other news organizations such as the Washington Post. Um, For context, for historical context, the last major public health crisis that we had uh, was back in 1918. So when the coronavirus came, people were sort of freaking out and worried, especially people in prisons, nursing homes, and in these immigration detention facilities, because this was of grave concern to all Americans. All right. The American Prospect writes, quote, the ICE facility where almost every detainee has coronavirus. Here's the very unsettling subheadline: quote, the dark history of the Farmville, Virginia Detention Center run by Immigration Centers of America, a company with a long history of abuse and political spending, end quote. Uh, this piece is very unsettling and actually quite concerning for these immigrants in this particular facility. Uh, but I'm going to walk you through this uh, based off my encapsulation of this piece and also by quoting from it. All right, here we go. Quote, Almost 90% of detainees in this facility, ICA, Farmville, have tested positive for the coronavirus, 259 of its 298 residents. As of August, this is the worst virus outbreak at at any ICE detention center in the country. Multiple ICA Farmville detainees have been hospitalized. Those who have remained at the facility say they have not received adequate medical care. Protests by detainees have been met with pepper spray. Alex, a man currently detained in Farmville, told me in a phone call from the facility that, quote, all they gave all they give us is Tylenol. He tested positive for the coronavirus in June. He said, quote, we're afraid to be in here, afraid some of us are not going to make it. Hours after I spoke with Alex on on August 5th, a 72 year old man at this facility detained at Farmville died at a nearby hospital. ICE has not confirmed the cause of death, but said he had tested positive for the coronavirus, end quote. Now, according to the timeline here, um, this whole thing began two months ago. On June 2nd, uh, ICE flew 74 immigrants from detention centers from Florida and Arizona to be transferred to Virginia. ICE had arranged, ICA had arranged for ICE to do that for them. So ICE did that. When those detainees flew into Virginia, when those immigrants flew in to Virginia from Florida and Arizona, from those detention facilities there, 51 of them had already tested positive for the coronavirus. And despite that being known as a clear indication that 51 of these immigrants that had flown in from the state of Virginia and from the state of Arizona, despite that being known that they had already tested positive for the coronavirus, they were still taken to this facility anyway. The American prospect had to use a fictitious name um, for one of the immigrants who was already in the Virginia facility for his safety. Uh, His fictitious name is Alex. 
Um, and he is one, he, he said once, he said once they, they brought these people into this facility who had already tested positive for the coronavirus in these other states, he said once they brought them in, quote, it spread like a wildfire, end quote. By mid-July at the same facility, more than 200 people were positive for the coronavirus. In fact, Alex, one of the immigrants himself at this facility, had to be hospitalized for a few days because he was experiencing some serious health issues himself. But he has since returned. Uh, he says since returning to this facility in Farmville, Virginia, they occasionally give him Tylenol pills, but not really much. Um, now, and if you are perplexed by this particular situation and why ICE would put co positive COVID-19 patients with negative COVID-19 patients, I mean, if why would ICE do that? Why would ICE put why why would ICE put immigrants who tested positive for the coronavirus? Why would they fly them in to this ICA facility in Farmville, Virginia, and put them with immigrants who are not? positive for the coronavirus who are negative. Why, why would you do that? Well, here's your very unsettling answer. Some of the corporations that are running these ICE detention centers are profiting off of it, and most of them are privately owned. And here's one of them in Farmville, Virginia, according to the American Prospect, quote, Immigration Centers of America, or ICA, the for-profit company that operates the Farmville facility, received its funding from ICE on a, received its funding from ICE, listen to this, quote, on a per-resident, per-day basis. The more detained individuals ICA has in its custody, the more money the company makes, end quote. Well, that explains the COVID-19 positive immigrants who were inexplicably flown in from other states to be transferred at this facility for no apparent reason. Apparently, there was a reason so they can make money. The more people, the more money. Hey, guys, how many people do you think we can fit into this facility? And how many, how many, how much money do you think we can make off of this? Hey, Ice, can we have some more people? Yeah, we would love that. I mean, this is crazy. But it's happening right now at this facility, right now in the middle of a global pandemic that has already killed more than 169,000 of our fellow Americans, including in these immigration detention facilities, where most of them are testing positive. I mean, this outbreak right now at this particular facility is uncontrollable right now. 90%, well, yes, 90%, quote, almost 90% of detainees in this ICA facility have tested positive for the coronavirus. All because ICA wants to make money off of how much people they can fit into this facility. I'm sure that's nice. According to the rates in a 2019 contract, uh, ICA will likely rank in tens of thousands of dollars just off of these immigrants who were transferred into this facility in Virginia back in June. So according to this 2019 contract, the, the immigrants that were sent to this facility from June, um, from June of this year, they will likely make tens of thousands of dollars off of these immigrants just off of that transfer alone. And apparently, Immigration Centers of America has been doing this for years and making money off of it, too. The American Prospect continues, quote, Over the last decade, Immigration Centers of America has made millions in the private detention business. It has also faced countless lawsuits, grievances, and allegations of abuse from employees and detained immigrants alike. 
Public records show that at times the company has crowded its facility beyond capacity and lobbied ICE to send it as many detainees as possible. As one former detention officer at ICA Farmville told me, subjects in detention were, quote, forced to be products and not as humans, end quote. Nationally, um, around 70% of detained immigrants are now, held in and are now held in profit facilities, which means 30% are held in government facilities. Last month, I spoke with Adrian Pandev. He's an immigration at, at Pandev Law Firm. He's an immigration attorney at Pandev Law Firm. Um, he also, and, and when I had him on last month, he talked about the coronavirus in these immigration detention facilities. And he also talked about, as I previously stated, how most of these facilities are privately owned. This is a situation that needs to be resolved because it has exacerbated over time. I mean, we are number one in the nation right now for coronavirus cases. Cases are continuing to rise exponentially. I mean, not just in nursing homes and prisons, but also in these immigration detention facilities. Based on reporting, it clearly indicates, and based on this reporting, it clearly indicates that ICA knew these immigrants had the coronavirus, but they persisted by knowingly and deliberately put placing them in this facility to spread the virus, letting the virus be a super spreader. Who cares, guys, because we get money at the end of the day. And when they did it, one immigrant said, quote, it spread like a wildfire, end quote. And, you know, be, because of that infectious catastrophe, because of now this, this ongoing, now unmitigated and essentially uncontrollable crisis in this immigration detention facility in Farmville, Virginia, federal scientists are beginning to address the situation there. Last week, the Washington Post reported, quote, a team of federal scientists arrived Monday at an immigration detention center in Farmville, Virginia, to begin addressing the worst outbreak of the novel coronavirus at any such facility in the country, according to the office of Governor Ralph Northam, which is the governor of Virginia, end quote. The Washington Post also reports that a lawsuit filed in Alexandria's U.S. District um, alleged that, quote, detainees were made to sleep in crowded conditions, even after some of them tested positive for the coronavirus. End quote. The lawsuit also, it also indicates that those who were sick were given Tylenol, so they didn't have to go to the hospital, just in case any of them were concerned. I mean... This is essentially, it is astonishing, it is unsettling, and it essentially is infuriating. This is a situation that needs to be resolved and requires national attention in order to, in order to create pressure and inevitably produce change. That is a way that this situation can be resolved. Also by protesting and emailing your congressional officials, your members of Congress, about this situation. I mean, the only way progress can be made is with change. For instance, weightlifting. The only way you can get stronger and achieve your goals is by weightlifting daily and weekly and monthly if you want to achieve that goal and become stronger. Here's another example. When I was in sixth grade, I decided that I wanted to play the trumpet for band. So I got my instrument. I got the trumpet. Uh, I played on it. It did not sound good. So I, I knew that I wanted to improve my tone and sound. So the best way for me to do that is by practicing. So I practice and then voila, I got better. 
Essentially, this is my point. In order for ICA, Immigration Centers of America, to improve this situation, they have to start changing and, and following CDC guidelines. They have to start improving this situation. And what we have seen in the past and currently right now that is transpiring is that for facilities that don't enforce CDC guidelines, for facilities that do not follow social distancing and create these medical standards, for facilities that do not do that, people test positive for the coronavirus and some may die. Last week on Wednesday, excuse me, on Tuesday, BuzzFeed News published an article about a 70-year-old Costa Rican man who had tested positive for the coronavirus. He had died in this ICE custody at a Georgia hospital. He had previously tested positive for the coronavirus, and he was the third detainee to die just last week. BuzzFeed News also cites some very alarming information from ICE records on immigrant deaths. Quote, the total number of ICE deaths so far this fiscal year is the highest since 2006, when 19 immigrants according, died according to ICE records. Also, last Friday, BuzzFeed News broke this story, quote, The Trump administration is preparing to treat asylum seekers as security threats, end quote. That article goes on to say, quote, the Trump administration has drafted a new rule that would take effective immediately uh, and treat those seeking protection from persecution at a U.S. land border as security threats if they had been in Mexico or Canada within the last two weeks of their arrival, according to a draft obtained by BuzzFeed News. Quote, the draft rule is, if implemented, would block affected asylum seekers from legal protections and be in effect for 90 days immediately after it's issued. The draft rules rules cites the effort to limit the spread of coronavirus within the United States, but would represent the latest attempt by the Trump administration to restrict asylum protections at the border, end quote. As I said before, um, this story hasn't been receiving lots of national attention, Therefore, the Trump administration may see this as a new open opportunity. Uh, just for elucidation, it is unclear if the if the Trump administration is doing this as part of the, the president's new anti-immigration agenda that he launched very quietly last week. But this is, this is a story of grave concern. If you go back, um, another here's another thing. If you go back to that news story about Farmville, Virginia, and what happened there, and that immigration detention facility you'll find a very interesting piece on that news article. Here's what I mean. When, when Immigration Centers of America began, it was supported by one of Virginia's most influential politicians, which was the state attorney general, Ken Cuccinelli. Here's the story. Back in 2008, ICE planned to bring five, about 500 detainees to Farmville, Virginia, where Immigration Center of America is located. They wanted to bring them to this facility, but then a problem emerged. ICA wanted more people. And not just like a small amount, but Immigration Centers of America wanted a massive amount. They wanted 300 more immigrants. Not just the 500 that was already being offered to them and reportedly being, being sent to their facility, but they wanted 300 more immigrants in their facility. The American Prospect describes ICA's rationale for this decision like this, quote, to maximize its early profits, end quote. So that's what they wanted to do. In order to make more money, we want more people. There was a pretty intense debate over it until Attorney General Ken Cuccinelli stepped in. 
Uh, the Farmville Herald wrote back in 2013 this headline, quote, Cuccinelli cut red tape when ICE facility was on the rocks, end quote. In other words, he stepped in to handle this situation. He stepped in, he intervened in this personally to handle this situation. Here is the lead on that article, quote, Virginia Art. Excuse me. Virginia Attorney General Ken Cuccinelli played a vital role in helping the immigration detention facility in Farmville clear federal regulatory hurdles and open its doors. Quote, he went to the head of ICE, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and got everything off dead center. End quote. Farmville Town Manager Gerald Spates told the Herald. End quote. Well, now that same Attorney General... Ken Cuccinelli, who served as the attorney general back in 2013 um, in the state of Virginia, is now serving as the acting deputy secretary of Homeland Security under the Trump administration. And he has been acting secretary for a very long time. He has been the acting deputy secretary of Homeland Security for a very long time, holding that position without being confirmed by the United States Senate, which cabinet officials are confirmed by the United States Senate. So he has been acting for a very, very long time. According to Dolfo Flores, a national security correspondent for immigration at BuzzFeed News, um, broke this news story last Friday. Quote, a government watchdog report says the Trump administration's appointments of two top DHS leaders are, quote, invalid, end quote. The Department of Homeland Security is essential. Therefore, we should have confirmed secretaries not acting. So what does this mean? And if their appointments are invalid, what actions will be taken to remove them if necessary? This is a live question tonight. Adolfo Flores from BuzzFeed News joins me next. At a time when we're asked to sacrifice, we step up to do our part. On the home front. On the front lines. To lend a helping hand and hold each other up. We are resilient vigilant and we'll get through this because we're better together even if we're a little farther apart the name of the piece is quote a girl fling the man who raped her came to the united states seeking protection but ice quickly sent her back quote i didn't have a sister i didn't have a mom i had no one End quote. The article continues, quote, After weeks of traveling through Mexico carrying her infant daughter, the 17-year-old thought she would soon be reunited with her parents and finally leave behind the threat of the men who had raped her in Guatemala. Claudia had just been rescued by Border Patrol agents after the smuggler who her parents had hired abandoned her in the Arizona desert. The teenager had survived a situation hundreds of immigrants lost in the desert don't. But Claudia's hopes were quickly dashed when she was informed that under a coronavirus pandemic policy, she would be quickly sent back to her. She would be quickly sent back to Guatemala without the chance to request asylum. Claudia, who's being identified as pseudonym to protect her identity, was interviewed by UNICEF in Guatemala about her experience and gave permission for the audio to be shared with BuzzFeed News. Quote, I was so close to being with my parents, Claudia said in an interview. Quote, I put my health and my daughter's health in God's hands. I just wanted to go with my parents. I took the risk to get to them. What awaited the teenager back home was not only a country with no family and an empty home, but the men who had raped her and who, until up until she left, had continued to harass her through threatening phone calls. 
previously unaccompanied immigrant children, like Claudia, would have been allowed to seek protection in the United States. But in March, the Trump administration effectively blocked immigrants like Claudia from staying in the country, citing a CDC order to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Since March, more than 110,000 immigrants have been quickly sent back to their home countries without so much as a court hearing under the new policy. Then the article continues, quote, Carla Vargas, a senior attorney with the Texas Civil Rights Project, says, quote, These children, these are children who arrive alone, many of them completely traumatized and fleeing horrific circumstances that people here in the U.S. can't even imagine. Then they get here asking for help and our government slammed the door in their face and is literally kicking them out, end quote. There has been some excellent reporting on this. All of these immigration stories that are transpiring under the Trump administration right now during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, there's been lots of reporting on this. I've interviewed lots of great people on this topic. Uh, but I must say, this is a story that I will continue to stay on. And with that said, earlier today, I had a chance to speak with uh, BuzzFeed News reporter Adolfo Flores. He's a national security correspondent for immigration at working at BuzzFeed News. And I had a chance to speak with him today. Here's that conversation. Joining me now for the interview is Adolfo Flores. He is a national security correspondent for, excuse me, he is a national security correspondent for immigration for BuzzFeed News, and he joins me now. Mr. Flores, thank you for coming back on the show. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Is there an update on this situation as far as the girl who was is tr- is trying to was trying to get into the United States? Um, I don't have any details, but uh, I know she's back in Guatemala mm-hmm. uh, and with her daughter. And uh, she is in government custody, which is about foster care, uh, I believe. And but yeah, I I haven't I haven't heard back. Uh, I haven't heard much else. Have there been any litigation efforts taken by this young girl? Not not by her. Uh, There have been some lawsuits uh, filed. Um, You know, I mean, last night was a the ACLU filed a lawsuit on the whole, you know, the, on this process that they're putting the kids in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, there was just individual lawsuits filed by kids. It's just, it's really hard for the um, attorneys and advocates to do, you know, file something when the kids are hard to get a hold of because, you know, they're, the, the way that the, they're being expelled from the U.S. Mm-hmm. is not the typical process. Uh, and so, you know, finding them is, is, even for their families, is very hard. You write in your reporting exactly about that. Quote, the way immigrants, including unaccompanied children like Claudia, are being immediately removed from the U.S. is called expulsion. Speedy removals from due process in order for someone to be formally deported from the United States. They would first have to go through the immigration court system. However, the new Trump policy has cut immigrants off from that process. Um, why did the Trump administration remove that part of the process? The they the, the reason that they gave uh, is that they wanted to stop the spread of COVID nineteen in the U.S. and you know this was one of the measures that they needed to do it to to do that. Hmm. Did. I'm curious if she's still trying to get into the United States for protection, or is is she currently still in foster care? Uh, I, I I don't know of any attempts to try to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as far as I know, she's still in Guatemala in foster care. 
In your reporting, you talk about parents uh, who have been searching for their children for weeks. Um, has anything been done to resolve this situation? No, I mean, the, the process remains the same. Um, the, the, I mean, in my process, I mean, the way that it's done, but, you know, there is no um, easy way of getting a hold of people. Like, I, I know some uh, immigrants who are going to be expelled are able to place calls mm-hmm. sometimes, but other times they get the phones disconnected, you know, and, and so they're cut off from, from any contact. And these are adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with the children, I imagine it's even harder for them to access phones. Uh, and, you know, like I, there are, but there are, there are cases when they are, they are able to talk to their parents, but it's not always. Hmm. Um, one of the pieces that you wrote yesterday, uh, the title of that piece is, quote, A government watchdog report says the Trump administration's appointments of two top DHS leaders are invalid. Now, we do know that these, we do know that the Secretary of Homeland Security and the Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security have been acting for quite a while. Um, is the Homeland Security Committee in Congress uh, necessary? Is there, are they looking at this? Yeah, this is something that's come up. Um, I don't know that they've had a specific hearing on that. Um, uh, they might. I just I, I can't remember. Uh, but it is something that they have, you know, discussed and talked about. Uh, and the, the the main concern that some of them have is if you know Chad Wolf and Ken Cuccinelli were put in these positions illegally, or you know, or the their appointments were invalid. What happens to many of the restrictive immigration policies that they've enacted? Uh, and you know, are those valid? Are they not? Uh, mm-hmm. The Government Accountability Office was very clear in that it did not wade into that uh, legal discussion. Uh, you know, all they all they wanted to analyze was whether or not the appointment of these two men uh, was valid or not under our laws. Hmm. Um, Another one of your pieces you reported today was report, quote, ICE guards have a pattern and practice of sexually assaulting immigrants, a complaint says, end quote. Now, we have seen we have seen reports of, of some things like this in the past. Um, is there anything being done being done currently to resolve this situation? The, uh, the, the ICE said that they are, you know, that they will, uh, you know, take action uh, when it's appropriate. And uh, the complaints uh, were submitted to the Department of Homeland Security Office of the Inspector General, mm-hmm. uh, and as well as federal and, and, and local prosecutors. Uh, so, it, it, you know, I, I don't know what will, what, who's going to take it up and and how that will actually take place. I, I actually was trying to think of a time or an instance when an ICE agent, you know, an ICE guard mm-hmm. was prosecuted for sexual assault. Uh, and I can't think of any off the top of my head. It doesn't mean it didn't happen, but, you know, it's worth looking into because there are hundreds, there have been hundreds of, of, of sexual assault complaints mm-hmm. filed by immigrants, even though it's very difficult uh, and you know intimidating uh, against uh, ICE guards. 
Once again, my guest is Adolfo Flores. He's a national security correspondent for immigration for BuzzFeed News. Mr. Flores, thank you for coming on the show and thank you for really illuminating these topics in the news. Oh, thanks for having me. I'd love to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, we'll be right back. In this world where people are staying at home, many of life's moments are being put on hold. At Carvana, we understand that for some, getting a car just can't wait. That's why the new way to buy and sell a car is also the safer way. At Carvana, you can do it all 100% online from home with a touchless delivery and pickup process to keep you safe. And for even greater peace of mind, all Carvana cars come with a seven-day return policy. So if you need to keep moving, it's our goal to keep you safe. Check out Carvana, the safer way to buy a car. On February 20th, 1792, President George Washington officially created the United States Postal Service by signing a sweeping act that promoted a free press and put confidential safeguards in place. In 1775, mail deliveries began, and that same year, the Postmaster General was Benjamin Franklin. The United States Postal Service is written in our Constitution. The Postal Service is a trusted institution and loved by many. And when you mess with it, people will be angry and begin to protest. Post office employees have been working for years to ensure that all families, rural included, get their mail. This year is an election year, and we have we, we also have a major health crisis that has been handled terribly by this president. And so we are here. Earlier this week, the president explicitly admitted that he was sabotaging the post office to make it harder for people to vote. The president is not being blunt about this, and he is doing it deliberately and overtly. On Thursday, Vice News published an article saying that the post office is removing its mail sorting machines. The current postmaster general took office on my birthday, which is June 15th, and is enabling the president by sabotaging his own department by making it excessively harder for people to vote this election. The president has just admitted to doing this and is still doing it. The postmaster general is doing this as well, but apparently in secret. He has been asked to meet with governors on this issue, but won't. His name is Louis DeJoy, and as far as we know, he is a longtime Republican fundraiser and has a history of making financial contributions to the Trump campaign. Now, politically and as just a citizen of this country, that does not necessarily matter. But I also should tell you that back in 2016, he was reportedly on one of the lists to become one of the RNC finance chairmen one of the RNC financial chairmans. Um, he, he has also been in office for less than two months now and is doing the president's dirty work. I mean, you know, one of the one of the things about authoritarian leaders is that they will do anything to stay in power. We have seen this before and we are witnessing it now. There are pending litigations against the president, and that is why he does not want to leave office. Back in December of 2019, you'll recall the House of Representatives gave the president an early Christmas gift of impeachment. Nevertheless, he has persisted with his corruption and impeachment apparently has taught him nothing. When, when the protests transpired demanding social and political change and racial equity for all Americans, the president responded to that with force, using the military against U.S. citizens, using racial language, encouraging violent behavior by police officers, and using the attorney general of the United States and the military officials to clear protest, protesters in Lafayette Park. He has called the Mueller report a witch hunt and that everything in it is false, even though it is not. He has not condemned the Russians, who are working right now persistently to interfere in the 2020 presidential elections. He has done things that are just inconceivable. 
Therefore, his crimes are becoming exponentially worse and they are building up. I mean, when you when you do things like this in office, of course, you're not going to of course, you're going to want to stay in power because, you know, that the moment you leave power, you no longer have presidential immunity and the law applies to you. And yes, no one is above the law, but the president doesn't seem to get that. I mean, if you want to wreak havoc as president, this is how to do it. Yesterday, NBC News reported, quote, U.S. Postal Service warns numerous states that mail-in ballots may be delivered late, end quote. That article goes on to say, quote, The USPS said that there is not enough time for the ballots to be requested, completed, and returned before the November 3rd presidential election, a startling development as many states have expanded mail-in voting because of the pandemic, end quote. Mail-in voting is going to be needed because of the pandemic. Lots of people are not going to be able to go out their houses right now because some may be at risk of contracting the coronavirus. Therefore, you cannot force people to choose between a decision. Choose between your health or going out to vote. Choose between risking their health or going out to vote. You cannot do that. Both things are essential. We all have a constitutional right to vote. The the moment you, the, the 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 day you turn 18, you are allowed to vote in this country. And having to decide between your health and your constitutional right to vote is inconceivable. The United States Postal Service is a nonpartisan institution that is loved by many and delivers ballots, mail-in ballots. It's part of their job. This news is enraging and requires a unique perspective Joining me now for the interview is my uncle. Uh, welcome back to the show. Having me. Well, my first question is, what do you make of this news that the president is deliberately sabotaging the post office for political gain? I think he's showing a little bit of his uh, his wittiness. I mean, he knew exactly what he was doing uh, when he put that man in, in charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you can't put um, you can't put a guy like that in a position of being a president when he has the ability to to basically, I'm gonna say, you know, pull the wool over your eyes. Well, he's good at that. He is good. He's good at that. Um, and and when he made that move uh, a couple months ago, I don't think anyone knew uh, to the full extent exactly uh, what that all entailed and why he did it like that. Mm-hmm. But now you can see it. Um, and I think it's a blatant disrespect to the American people. Mm-hmm. You know, Trump's just like, I can do what I want, and you guys can't. I think that's why people like him. I think people actually want to be him. That's why he has such a good following as well. Mm-hmm. Are you concerned that he may shift the outcome of, of this election to him ultimately winning? Oh, for sure. I think he's, that's the, of course, that's, I mean, that's that's the number one goal right now. Um, I still don't think he wins. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as, we're going to see him, you know, pull everything out, out the book, um, Oh, excuse me, out the bag. But I do, I do think that he loses this time. I think it's going to be that much better. Like you tried everything, man, and you still lost. Mm-hmm. We have seen people uh, protesting about this and demanding that this end. It is apparently, it apparently has worked in places. I think the theme for this is that pressure works. Um, is there a logical solution uh, to to this problem? Yeah, there's always a logical solution to the problem. The issue is you're dealing with administration that doesn't think logically mm-hmm. so to them no but yeah of course there's a there's a logical solution to this um 
it's just unfortunate that this this administration uh, doesn't doesn't work based on logic. What do you make of the president confessing to these crimes and making it clear that he's explicitly doing this? He's, I mean, he's showing for his base. His base loves it. Mm-hmm. His base loves it. Again, I go back. There's not really there's not one characteristic about Donald Trump that you can generally say that you know is a likable characteristic. You know, um, now if you want to say, you know, he, he speaks his mind like, oh, OK, well, that's great. But people want to be him. So when he does this, you know, he's basically showing off for his base. Like, yeah, I can admit to this and there's nothing they can do. I mean, this man said he can shoot someone mm-hmm. and kill them in New York and he will get away with it. And he's doing everything that if you would have said, you know, 10 years ago, a president would do this. People would laugh and be like, no, that would never happen. But we're watching it happen in real time today. Ever since uh, former Vice President Joe Biden has added Kamala Harris onto the ticket, the president appears to have become more, I guess you could say, politically intimidated. So do you think that the president is doing this because he is intimidated uh, by Joe Biden's pick for vice president? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, the thing about Harris and you know, people can say what they want about her, but she's she's going to get an answer out of you. Mm hmm you're not going to be able to beat around the bush with her. And I think he sees that as a, as a definite obstacle in his reelection for himself and, um, the current VP Pence, because, you know, Harris can, can ask questions and she's not going to stop until she gets the answer. I mean, mm-hmm. people got mad at how she came at Joe Biden, but she's going to go with Trump the same way, but 10 times harder. Mm-hmm. Uh- I don't think defend it. I don't know how they're going to defend their position. Have you been hearing anything from others as far as their their mail being delivered late? I haven't. Mm. Um, nothing out the nothing out the norm. Um, I will say, you know, things get things have been be getting lost in the mail from since the beginning of time. It's the amount of mail that gets mailed versus the amount of mail that gets lost is is minimal. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you don't want any mail getting lost. That's the that's the number one goal. But if you're mailing millions and millions and millions or billions of pieces of mail every year and you may lose a thousand letters, I mean, a thousand is a lot. But compare on the scale of a billion letters being mailed a year is is, is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I don't I haven't heard anything, you know, abnormally about about mail being like, no. Well, one of the this is my last question. One of the enraging things um, that we sort of saw this week was uh, eighty thousand pieces of mail were not delivered because of the the postmaster general enabling the president here and sabotaging the post office. When they look at this, are they concerned that they are also hurting some of their supporters with their, I guess you could say, prescriptions and other things that are necessities? Oh yes, oh yes. But I think the the game that they're playing is a game that I don't think most Americans understand. I think some Americans understand who, who aren't for Trump, but the ones that are for Trump don't understand that mm-hmm. they are basically the sacrifice pawns mm. in this whole scheme. They they have no value to Trump except for you know build my base and and you know come to my rallies and and make me feel good. Mm-hmm. They can go out. They can be. They can be disposed of. So 80,000 pieces of mail been missing. You can even talk to some of his supporters. You know, they 
some of them might not even mind some of their male being missing, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it it does hurt them because you can't pinpoint. I mean, there's there's no way to know that a house down the street supports Trump or the house three mm-hmm. houses down the street doesn't support him. So when you when you do something like that, uh, everyone is getting mixed up in that pot. All right. Once again, my guest is my uncle. Uh, thank you for coming on the show and helping us understand this situation. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. I look forward to coming back. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jeremiah Patterson Show. Thank you to my guest, National Security Correspondent for Immigration at BuzzFeed News, Adolfo Flores. And also thank you to my uncle for joining me back on this episode of the Jeremiah Patterson Show, another episode. And thank you for listening to the Jeremiah Patterson Show this Sunday. Um, Next week, we'll not be broadcasting on Wednesday just because of the Democratic National Convention that will be transpiring. So look forward to our special coverage on the Democratic National convention actually beginning Friday after all of it is over so I can have a chance to sort of encapsulate everything and make the coverage great for you. Uh, But thank you again for listening to this episode of the Jeremiah Patterson Show. Make sure to share this episode with your family and friends. Don't forget to rate this podcast on, on Apple Podcasts and have a great day. I will see you Friday.